The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hey everyone, Natalie Warner here, the President and Executive Director of Women in Agile Org. I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. We're thrilled to have this as a platform to showcase the wisdom of our community. We'd love to get your help to amplify the reach of the series by asking you to go over to iTunes in order to rate and review us. After you're done, take a screenshot of your rating and review. Then post a screenshot to Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn and tag hashtag Women in Agile. If you do this, we'll not only reshare your post, but also add you to a monthly drawing to receive a Women in Agile goodie bag filled with WIA stickers and other treats. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. This is Leslie Morse here again, hosting with you. And I am really excited to have someone um, from Hawaii joining us today. Her name is Erin Kaohe Lali'i. Brett, right? It's a hyphenated name. And as we talk to you, Erin, I want you to tell us the story about the cultural sort of way your name is evolved and everything that goes into it, because it is a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, I'm excited, listeners, for you to get to know Erin today. She is an agile coach with deep expertise in the healthcare insurance industry and wakes up every morning ready to motivate others to be a catalyst for change. And like I said, she does all of this work from the beautiful state of Hawaii, where she is also an active leader in the Women in Agile local user group there. Erin, thanks for being with me today. Thank you. Um, let's just go ahead and like cut to the chase. Tell me the story of your name and the everything that it really means. Oh, <laughs> um, so yeah, Ka'ohe Lali'i um, is my last name. And again, that's my maiden name. Um, Ka'ohe actually means the bamboo and Lao is leaf and Li'i is little. So the little bamboo leaf, um, that's basically what it means. And there's just, it's such a beautiful, I think, metaphor for you because like when, when you and I had a chance to meet uh, several weeks ago before we booked this recording, there is such a delicate grace to you, oh, but thanks. also such um, like when I think of bamboo, I think of like strong and robust and resilient and so like that is also you as well and it's just this you know but the leaves are so kind of delicate and graceful on bamboo mm -hmm. and so it's just it, I think it's just really lovely oh thanks <laughs> I never thought of it like that but yeah yeah and so I'm curious how like listeners may see that show up during our conversation today um, I guess you'll kind of see just through our, my journey, my personal journey yeah. through Agile, um, how flexible I've kind of become over time. Um, and at first, you know, it was, I was really apprehensive about the whole thing and, um, skeptical, super skeptical about it all. And, you know, over time I've really grown into, again, being that catalyst that really wants and thrives off of change. Whereas before I wasn't like that. Yeah. And so, yeah. 
Yeah. So let's start with that story, right? I, we love to capture kind of everyone's origin story of Agile. Um, and like you said, like you were a skeptic, you did not believe, but you were mm -hmm. converted. Totally. What was that like? No. So yeah, back in um, 2017, we went through our Agile transformation and it kind of started off like any other Agile transformation where um, within our organization, it was very much top down, you know, as a corporate effort. And I was actually voluntold to be the scrum master on this new Agile team. And I'm like, I don't even know what Agile is. You know, I came from project management and it was, it was very much like just a whole change of mindset. Um, you know, leaving from being very like delegating work to people to now like you're now you're empowering people like it's not I'm not telling you what to do. Um, so, yeah, it was that huge just switch. And I remember being in um, the boot camp in day one and I was just like the coach who's now my friend you know, she always reflects back to that time. And she's like, man, you were giving us the stink eye, that whole training. And I'm just like, I wasn't giving you the stink eye. I just, I didn't believe in it. You know, I was just like, oh, this is going to be a corporate thing that's going to kind of die, you know, after maybe a month or something. And um, it'll just come and go like everything else that happens here in Hawaii. Like, you know, we, we try things out, doesn't work. And we just go back to how it was. Yeah. And so... So yeah, it was just really about being kind of apprehensive to that change. And it wasn't just for me. I think the thing that um, got me really into it was also knowing that my team members, you know, on this scrum team, that they also felt the same. Um, everybody was kind of apprehensive about it all, except for a few people that kind of knew what it was. Um, but yeah, so that's how we kind of started. Yeah. What was the turning point for you, Erin? Um, I think, again, that turning point was just seeing that whole team dynamic. Um, and I kind of like to go back to just in, in Hawaiian culture, we have this thing called um, an ahupua'a, which it's this community. Um, and the ahupua'a actually starts off in the mountainside where you have, you know, your your natural resources, your water flowing down the mountain, which then goes down to your mala or your farm, um, where all the mahi'ai they would have, or the farmers would farm the kalo and, and everything that that community kind of needed to survive. Um, and it would go down to the ocean side or the kahakai um, for the local ea or the fish pond. And so it's kind of like you needed that teamwork back then to be able to survive, yeah. you know? And so just having that whole ahupua'a mindset kind of helped. Um, just looking back to like my ancestors and how they were able to survive and thrive. I'm like, I can do this, you know? It's not yeah. that bad. Yeah. Um, and I think that was really the turning point, just seeing that I had this team. I now have this role as a scrum master where I have to be there to coach this new team and help them to thrive in this new environment. Um, and just taking that on as a challenge and, you know, going with it. Yeah. Could, I've never exactly asked this question this way before. So I apologize if it sounds unskillful or forced. Um, but given this sort of renaissance of your mindset and the way you approach it, when you think back on the success that you had, as a more traditional project manager, mm -hmm. 
like, are you surprised? Like, is it one of those, like, oh my gosh, I was surprised we ever could get stuff done that way because this yes. is so different? Like, is that a true thing for you? I think that was the exciting part is it's like, man, you just opened up my brain that I, to possibilities that I never thought were there. Yeah. Um, and it's just that whole, not only teamwork, but like continuous improvement, having that sort of mentality and constantly learning new things and trying new things. Whereas before it was kind of like, this is your set way of working. This is how you're going to do it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas with within this agile environment now, it's very open and it's yeah. super fluid. And, you know, that's kind of the different pieces that I really gravitated towards. Um, and it's not only me, it's also my teams, you know, my team members and seeing their enthusiasm throughout the whole change. Like that's what kind of kept me pumped and going. Um, yeah. So yeah, our agile journey started off really high. You know, we had consultants there and coaching and, and you just had all of that support that you really needed to start off as teams. Um, I would say it was about six months in and it started going south. And <laughs> And it was more so because um, we weren't getting that sort of corporate effort. We had a lot of change management happen around that time frame. And um, we lost those consultants or those coaches at the time. And so it really became this whole grassroots effort where this, the four teams that actually first started plus the enterprise coach that we had, we we're like, we're not getting rid of this thing. Like we love this way of working. We're going to keep it going. And another thing that I kind of wanted to bring up too was um, yesterday was our queen's birthday, Queen Lili Uokalani. And um, two kind of olalo no eao or proverbs kind of came to mind when I was thinking about just my agile journey. Um, the first one is onipa'a or just to, you know, just to be steadfast. Um, and then the other one was Ekulia Ikanu'u, um, which is actually from Queen Kapi'olani, but hers was all about like strive for, strive for excellence, basically. Um, you know, and just don't ever give up kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's something, Erin, about the way you tell this story that to me just so much swims in the message that we receive from Dan Pink around autonomy, mastery, and purpose, right? And um, the, the, right, the kind of the Venn diagram you often see linking those three concepts. But I think what you point to is how, right, each of those things are alive and what you experienced, but there's one added element of um, heart and connection and that human uh -huh. component really in the center of it, that um, this was about a community of people coming uh -huh. together that were skeptics, but said, you know what, we'll give it a try. And then discovering how actually agile um, mindset and approaches give you another vehicle for bringing your culture alive in the workplace. Oh, definitely. Yes. And giving people that didn't have a voice before, giving them that voice, you know, yeah. and, and really, I mean, it, it goes back to that whole empowerment thing, mm -hmm. you know, it's like a lot of times people just throw around that word, but that's how we really felt for yeah. once. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's probably a key thing around y'all keeping this going after the consultants were gone. Because I, I know there are listeners out there that have fallen victim to, I got, I got to taste agile and it was taken away from me mm-hmm. or our consultants have just left. How do we keep it alive? Or we've heard they're going. And that's like, this is not an uncommon pattern where like, oh yeah, this is a really great thing. Our external help leaves. And then this whole thing dies on the vine. So I want to unpack that a little bit. And what, what was it that you and your peers did that have kept this going? What we're in, you know, fall of 2020 now, almost Mm -hmm. This started in 2017 and you said our external help was really only here for about six months, yet you're still going. So how might you like inspire our other listeners with tips and tricks for what they might be able to do if they're in that same situation? I think what really worked for us, especially um, me and another scrub master that's kind of helped this thing to carry on, was just having those relationships with certain people in the organization. Um and it's not even at the executive level. It was actually at a director level, you know, and and just finding those key people that we could kind of talk to, share our journey with them and get them hooked as well, just to get that sort of like lower level support um, to be able to grow more teams. And it wasn't only that. I think it's also by showing our success and how happy we were as teams that other teams were kind of gravitating toward us. Um and so, yeah, it's like, you know, learning from example, I guess. Yeah. What and were, were there any, um, can, can you tell us the story of any impediments maybe that were in, like, that came up through that time period and how you, you sort of navigated those? Yeah. Um, so we had a lot of pushback around, like, just our, the way that we kind of changed our governance process or even starting new teams. Um, Initially, we weren't allowed to touch any of the IT department pretty much because, you know, again, they went through change management. And so we couldn't have any developers on our team. So Mm -hmm. our initial teams were basically um, formed around business areas. And so looping those guys in, changing their mindsets. Um, When change management came again, I would say like a year after that, a new person came in that was really into Agile and it just, it took over all of IT pretty much. That's (laughs) great. That's great. Are there any, and and I know, right, you have to walk a fine line because you can't disclose too much about the organization you work Mm -hmm. in. Um, But is, is there anything sort of, that you can point to even generically about what it took. Cause like, you're not allowed to have developers on these teams too. You mm-hmm. were getting some involvement. What was a tipping point there that opened up that willingness to experiment and try it out? I think um, once we went through change management and really just me putting myself into places that maybe I shouldn't have. <laughs> mm, so courage. Yes. Um, yeah you know, engaging different management or different leaders that I was seeing coming into the company that were brand new and just building that relationship with them. Um, oh. That really helped. Or even So it like, was like, let's capture the newcomers and, and get them hooked early. Yes. And, and that you, was, and, yeah, great. 
that was just to find those type of like-minded people or mm-hmm. um, just people open to, to new possibilities, you know, and kind of sharing what we have established already and where they could take their um, different area or department. Yeah. Selling that art of the possible that you referred to Mm -hmm. earlier. And I think another important thing you've said here is, is creating that transparency around where the teams are being successful. Yes. And and I make up, right. You also said successful and we're happier working this way, but success probably isn't just that team happiness. What were some of the other aspects of success that you really showcased in order to win people over? Um, Just the turnaround time. Okay, so cycle time for delivering features. Yes, and just the value that these teams were providing. So, you know, showing them that, hey, you know, our our traditional projects that we've had throughout this company over the years, you know, we've, they've been year long projects or more. Whereas for our teams, every two weeks, we're we're providing value and we're showing you, hey, these are different things that we're implementing. Um, And also having that constant engagement between IT and business. We yeah. never had that before. It was kind of, um, you know, we, we had the really traditional way of managing projects. So we would write our requirements back in the past. You chucked it over the wall to the, to the developer and those two people never talked. Whereas now it's like you're on the same team. And I feel like that's where from the IT side, the developers really love that because if they ever had any questions, their product owner sitting right there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. We're on the same team. Mm-hmm. And anyway, when we see those, you know, the annual state of agile reports that come out, you know, one of those benefits that's always cited is that IT business divide as you go on this journey, you know, dissolves. Mm-hmm. Um, because it really is um we're all here together for the pursuit of satisfying the customer. What is the point of having intra-company departmental infighting? Because we're really all on the same team. The same company's paying us. So why are we creating conflict for the sake of conflict? And there are so mm-hmm. many ingrained kind of organizational things that that can breed from. But I love that you're really able to point to that as something that's been able to sustain agility for your organization. Mm-hmm. And the biggest like win, I guess, on both ends. So anytime that I would talk to a, um, a business management person, their their whole thing was that I can tap into having developers now on my team that can do these sort of implementations that we couldn't ever do before. Um, and on the IT side, it's like the biggest win over there was, hey, you have developers that they're not wasting their time on, you know, different implementations that aren't going to ever be used. Yes. You know, they're they're really their purpose is there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would always, and I don't teach and, and work with transformations actively as much as I used to, but I remember always referring back to that old Standish Chaos survey thing that said, you know, something like 65% of features deployed are rarely or never used by end users. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and if we want to be good financial stewards of our company's, you know, resources, literally meaning the money, what's the best thing to do to just build more of the right stuff? Stop building stuff we don't use. And how do we know exactly. if we're going to use it? Get those that use it and those that build it as close together as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, well, that's common sense. But we've over-engineered that over the years. And so it's lovely to hear stories of like, 
you know, the promise of Agile is real. <laughs> yes. Well, it's even different, like smaller aspects of, um, you know, having meetings, constant meetings all day long. And people before Agile came along used to view that as, oh, that's just my job. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. supposed to go to all of these meetings. Whereas now it's kind of like you question yourself every time that you're invited to a meeting. Do I need to be there? Do yeah. my team members need to be there? Could I just go in place of them? You know, so it's like, yeah, you really think of time equals money now mm -hmm. versus before we weren't really thinking like that. Yeah. And so I think that's where, you know, leadership and management, they're really able to see that return on investment because we are being mindful of where we're spending our time. Yeah. There's that, um, I almost feel teary in this like proud kind of way. Like in, in feeling pride for you and, and your colleagues, because it's not often that you hear a story that so well kind of illustrates the agile principle. Our primary measure of progress is actual working products. Mm -hmm. So when we're asking ourselves the question, where am I investing my time? Is this meeting the place I need to go? And recognizing that by going to this meeting, I'm not investing in actually building the product that our customers need. Mm -hmm. um, and that level of awareness, mindfulness, and discernment, that's what we point to when we say the highest performing Agile teams are highly disciplined and rigorous. That doesn't that that discipline and that rigor doesn't mean like micromanagement, sternness. It means intentionality and discipline in how we make our choices and work together. Totally. Yeah. Ah, that's so great. Um, the other thing I really love, Erin, about your story is you know, having gone from skeptic to creating these wonderful, beautiful stories of, of what it means to be doing Agile in your organization. Um, it's also this mindset's permeated the rest of your life. In fact, you are married to another Agilist. Your yes. husband is a product owner. So yes. talk a little about how, right, Agile's permeated the rest of your life, your relationships, your parenting, because everybody's kind of going through a time of complexity with that in this new world of the pandemic, kids going back to school. How have you brought this home? Oh, yeah, it's it's gone everywhere, basically. <laughs> That's what I kind of talk about sometimes. But no, um, I think it really helps having a partner that is immersed in Agile as well. Um, and he too was a very skeptical before he ever was a product owner. Like he was a business analyst and, um, you know, just going through his own journey initially, cause I went through mine before he actually joined his team. And so before he ever joined, he was like, don't talk about it. You know, just it's getting annoying and all of that stuff. But now that he's actually on a team and he sees his way of working, how it's actually, you know, beneficial to the company and not to only to the company, but just to us as human beings, <laughs> he's, you know, he's really um, grasped hold of it. And yeah. something that I've kind of brought home also, especially with my child now having to do distance learning is, um, you guys on the podcast, you can't see what I'm pointing at right now, but... <laughs> I have a board behind me just for my child and, you know, having that visual and um, we have kind of like a stand up every morning where I kind of go through with her, our agenda for the day, like, hey, this is what we're going to do. How are you feeling today? And, you know, just having that kind of check in um, really helps having 
you know, those intentions of what I'm planning to do for the day and those goals. Um, so just using that sort of agile mindset with my own child and her learning has really helped, especially throughout this whole pandemic, you know, and just yeah. being open to change. We're not going yeah. to school physically right now, but we're going to do this instead, you know, and I don't know, it's really helped us to be flexible. Yeah. Other areas of your life that Agile's touched and influenced? Um, yeah, so even, I mean, recently my pa my parents and my siblings, we actually went on a trip to Kauai. So there was like a period of time through, I think, July to August, we were able to kind of travel inter-island. Mm -hmm. um, so we went to Kauai to go visit family. And before that, like we had our own board going of, hey, what's our to-dos? What do we have to get done before we go on this trip? And so I was using idea boards mm -hmm. and I sent it to my family, just the link. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they started using it. And it's like, even my own mother, you know, who's in her seventies, she was going in there and moving things on that board. So it's like, you know, it's kind of permeated throughout my life. Yeah. Um, That's cool. That is so cool. And your passion for Agile is extending to service to our women in Agile community. Mm -hmm. So um, before we talk about everything you've got going on with the uh, local user group uh, of women in Agile in Hawaii, um, talk to me just a little bit about because you sort of live in this sort of microculture mm -hmm. that's sort of distinct and separate from the rest of the U.S., right? You've already told kind of the stories about like the cultural aspects in your heritage and how you see that showing up in Agile. Mm -hmm. But what has your experience been like, not only as, as a woman um, in the Agile community, but in the technology community as well? And what are you seeing there sort of in your area that's worth sharing and noting the good, the bad, the ugly? Um, I think just within this whole agile journey, um, having that, that growth mindset and having those leaders or, or even just for me promoting that, you know, growth mindset of, Hey, I see this potential in you that you don't see yet. Um, let's give you this opportunity. And so that's exactly what I try to bring with women in Agile. You know, I try to reach out to folks that they don't even know what Agile is. They don't, you know, they may not even be a female. Um, but just reaching out to people that, especially within the Hawaiian community, that, you know, they don't know anything about tech or they've never had that sort of job before. And um, hopefully providing skills that they might be able to use anywhere. Mm-hmm. There are so many transferable skills from mm -hmm. the work we do and the way we approach things as Agilists that just have the opportunity to change the world. Um, the other thing, Erin, um, I'm curious about is like, have you, what is gender parity like in technology and Agile there for you? Um, it's pretty, I would say here in Hawaii, like it's pretty diverse. Okay. Um, not only culturally, but also, yeah, the gender thing. Um, it's pretty equal. I would say you have a lot of males and females, mm -hmm. um, different cultures. So yeah, it's pretty diverse. That's great. That's great. Um, 
And then I guess before we wrap up, I guess, do you have any other things you want to share before I get into my standard kind of closing questions? Um, I guess it's just, you know, throughout my Agile journey, um, all of these things that I've kind of learned, you know, I, I do want to bring out there to our community here in Hawaii because we are really remote out here in the Pacific Ocean. And so yeah. um, just bringing those opportunities to folks, aside from women in Agile, like I also help as a facilitator um, with Girls Who Code um, at a Hawaiian immersion school here. And so again, just giving people opportunities that, you know, maybe they may not have even known about. Yeah. Um, and the same I also bring to work um, at my company as well with folks, you know, within teams, if I see coaching potential with certain people, or like, if, if they look like they would be great scrum masters, like I try to be there as their mentor um, mm -hmm. to help them along the way. So yeah. Yeah. And I think you actually, you point to something super interesting here with that, which I think is an invitation to all of our listeners um, right now is that, I mean, you just sort of said like, we're out here and we're really remote in the Pacific Ocean. Um, because of the conditions of the world we're living in right now, all of the local user group meetings across the globe have all gone virtual. Exactly. So like using the women in agile network, um, of local user groups, like you can visit in on any local user groups meetings now yep. and get that richness and that connection and build this, um, I know sometimes people say it's kind of silly to call it a sisterhood, but the sisterhood of agilists um, in a, so much of a, a more global way than ever before. So I, I'll give you an opportunity to kind of like give a little commercial. Is there anything cool upcoming virtually that the Hawaii group has got going on that people might be able to get involved with? Yeah, totally. So um, you guys can vote. Uh, visit us on our meetup group, but we have two events coming up um, in September. I think our next one is next week, actually. But uh, it'll be like the week of September 10th is next week, right? Well, we're on Hawaii yeah. time, but anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> our next event is going to be around just that online facilitation and mm -hmm. pretty much just giving people those different tools that they might need um, for any sort of online teaching or facilitation. Um, so that's going to be our first one. And our second meetup is going to be around using Scrum at home. Awesome. So again, giving parents those you know, tools and techniques that might be useful as they have kids at home yeah. right now in distance learning because Hawaii right now is under our second um, work from home just because, you know, our numbers have gone up due to the mm -hmm. pandemic. And so, yeah, so we're all stuck here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. I love that. And I think that's just, that's really a call to everybody to get out there and check out all the different meetup pages. Um, and see what's going on and find those ways to get involved. So Aaron, before we close, um, what, what are you studying right now? What are you geeking out on? How might you be able to share some ideas that can inspire other people to add stuff to their professional development backlog? Um, right now I've been geeking out on uh, just marketing, okay. you know, finding different ways of reaching out to people. I've been kind of doing this already, but um, 
since we are at home, we have a lot more time on our hands, Mm -hmm. you know, using that time for just continuous learning. So marketing, I've been looking into also the cultural aspect. I've been going back um, to learning more Hawaiian, just the language and, and, um, you know, a lot of our cultural history and stuff. And so being able to tie that into, you know, our agile um, environment here in Hawaii has really helped. So, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And then if you think back on our conversation, um, if you really like, what's the most important thing you want to leave people with sort of as a takeaway? Um, I just want to go back to that Olelo Noeau from um, Kapi'olani, Ekulia Ikanu'u, strive for the summit. You know, always look at how can I improve this thing? Don't give up. Um, and that's what I want to leave you guys with. Uh, well, my, my new friend, the delicate bamboo leaf that is also resilient and strong. Um, thank you, Aaron, for being here with us today. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for this opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I look forward to, to continue to expand our connection and, and opportunities to collaborate with you. And thank you listeners for being uh, here to tune into this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. We bring it to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization, as well as Accenture Solutions IQ, and hope you've learned something new. Please go tell a friend or a coworker about this podcast, and you can always go online to womeninagile.org, where you'll find more about our initiatives and additional inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.